Welcome to the Kinetic Creators Podcast, where we break down and talk about interesting and creative happenings, events, and news. I'm Simon. And I'm Robert. Thanks for joining us today. We have a lot of things to talk about and break down for you, so let's get started. Well, for uh, week three, or episode three, we thought we'd do a really heavy tech episode. Yes. A lot of tech things have happened uh, this past week, including the Apple event, which everybody thought was going to be about a car. Did not end up being about a car. We're, we're still we're still waiting on that Apple car, I guess. Um, we had a new Zeiss camera come out. We had some new gimbals from DJI. I'm sure there were more tech things. I heard about a. Did you hear about the LG? Uh, was it the LG Wings? I think is what it's called. That sounds delicious, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I can't, is it the Wings? It might be the Wing. LG Wing is what it's called. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a phone where the the, is that the, the sidekick. It basically is yes, <laughs> and it becomes a T, and it flips out and becomes a T. So there's there's a lot of tech things happening right. this week. Uh, we're not going to talk about the LG Wing though because we're not phone reviewers, but we are going to talk about the iPhone because we are biased. At least half of us are biased towards the iPhone. Yes. I was going to say, like, we both have biases about iPhones, but I guess opposite. (laughs) We have opposite biases. Uh, So we had the Apple event this week. Um, We had the new iPhone 12 come out in the traditional kind of crazy lineup. The the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 mini, the i12 Pro, and the i12 Pro Max. iPhone 12 Pro Max. Ooh, that's a lot to say. Um, a couple interesting things. Uh, all of them, all the new iPhone 12s are 5G. Uh, so all you tinfoil hiders out there, get ready for that. They have new cameras on them, as mm-hmm. per usual. Everybody's got their cameras. Uh, they've got LiDAR sensor, a LiDAR sensor on the back, which is actually very interesting. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of interested in what that's going to be like. And they've got MagSafe, which is just uh, a little kind of, I guess, uh, it's a little extra for everybody. It's not really like a major feature. It could be interesting, but it's not like something like super, super huge. What is it like a MagSafe? So MagSafe, so in, in the MacBook Pros, the MagSafe was the magnetic connecting power cable. Ah, okay. And so they basically brought that to the back of the iPhone. So it's a, it's a circular magnet that's in mm-hmm. the back and it will attach to accessories or to a cable or to the power cable. So uh, current iPhones are, you know, induction charging with um, whatever the, the Qi charger is. Um, but this will basically magnetically attach it now. So that might be the end of pop sockets. Okay. For iPhones. We'll see. Um, but the interesting thing about this from a creative perspective is LiDAR. Um, mm-hmm. So LiDAR is what, you know, Tesla's use and everybody who has like autopilot or like the steering assist, like your car is using LiDAR, which is basically right radar with lasers. And uh, it's got a LiDAR sensor on the back. So one of the things that they're planning with this is that it's going to uh, create better augmented reality because, you know, things are more... It's basically creating a 3D picture of space using lasers, right? Mm -hmm. And so it'll be more realistic or more accurate. So, uh, you know, the Amazon app, the Wayfair app, you know, you can preview like a piece of furniture in your home, you know? So it'll be more realistic. It'll be more um, accurate. Um, But it's also going to be interesting for the camera because it integrates with the camera. So you can actually actually be able to see things at night when the cameras cannot see them and still be able to focus on objects, even if there's not enough light. So the thing they're thinking is that this is going to be really good for night mode portraits, um, which is kind of nuts when you think about it, you know, to be able to. I'm just happy to take my selfie game. I just. Change a little bit at night time. That's right. Yeah, like your 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 
they've got like the bigger megapixel cameras, the smart night mode, which I mean, the Pixel 5 has that too. So it's not like it's like the end all be all, but uh, I think this LiDAR kind of thing is going to be interesting um, for all you Apple users out there. Those are the big updates. They also updated like a new HomePod and stuff like that. But for the most part, uh, the iPhone 12 with his LiDAR and the cameras was the big news. 5G was also big news. Um, obviously, like Pixel 5 has 5G in it. Most of the new Samsung phones have 5G yeah. equipped. This is kind of like legitimizing the pace of 5G adoption. Um, the interesting thing that they've previewed, uh, they previewed two kind of interesting creative things at the Apple event. Um, being able to stream, I think it was 9 to 12 simultaneous streams from one NFL game. They're also planning a VR type experience with cameras on players' helmets. Oh, okay. So, so you're actually like it feels on like the field more. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's a big deal because you know obviously that's more more pixels, more resolution that you're streaming all at once. Um, and then the other big thing is that they're bringing League of Legends to the iPhone. Okay. Dude. So the biggest online game in the world, really. Um, and they're going to bring that. And the only way they can really do that is with 5G connectivity. So, you know, for most of us, it's like 5G. Eh, none of our networks are really built out for 5G yet, at least in the U.S. Um, but I would imagine in the next three or four years, we'll get there. I think they're just trying to get ahead of the curve on that one. But same same crazy expensive price. So if you're looking at it, you know, be ready. Be ready for that $1,000 plus iPhone. This makes that iPhone 10 that much more accessible, though. So... There That's you right. go. That's right. So in other tech news, this is strangely and uniquely related to cell phones. Zeiss has a uh, new full frame Android power um, camera, the ZX1. Um, and so that's now available for pre-order. They announced it like two years ago. Um, so a lot of, you know, hype, speculation, waiting. Do you know when they're going to release it? I think they said... Later this year. Okay. Um, yeah, but they are known for their lenses. Um, obviously, films, they're fantastic cinematic prime lenses. But they also um, are known for making lenses for cell phones, the like Nokia and Microsoft Mobile. And um, they're also working with NASA to um, develop the, or the, to upgrade the Hubble telescope next year. So... Zeiss is... Um, they know what they're doing. They're, yeah, they know what they're doing. Um, so what's exciting with this um, with this announcement is that the um, ZX1 um, is going to... Basically has a... F it's an Android-powered... Mm -hmm. It's basically a smart camera. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we were talking just a few minutes ago about like just how um, smartphone cameras are continually to be continuously evolving and upgrading um to be um for years the argument has often been said just like why do i need to buy a professional camera because it has all these features um and i'm the only compromise is this quality well traditional cameras always had that um quality advantage they never didn't have the other advantages of being um as uh, mobile friendly with mm -hmm. features of being able to um, share and upload edit on the go yeah yeah this camera the zx1 is going to the one of the first if not the first cameras with um, automated lightroom editing or integrated lightroom editing so you don't have to dump footage transfer it and um, to start editing you can start doing it all in that single space um, and then with um, the ability for cloud syncing and or and um, Wi-Fi transferring, you'll mm -hmm. be able to um, 
get those images out that much more quickly. And so, mom, dad, if you're listening, that um, if you really want those Christmas photos to come back a lot sooner, um, th- I think I found your solution. Just consider that six thousand dollars an investment. And you know, oh what? my, <laughs> Whoa. yeah, yeah. Um, six thousand. Yeah, this is they are targeting professionals with this camera. For comparison's sake, the Canon R5, which is currently considered to be one of the best of the best, is forty five hundred dollars or forty two hundred dollars. So. Right. The, th- the thing that was interesting to me about the ZX-1, so like the integra- integrated Lightroom editing is really cool. It's mm-hmm. basically got an onboard computer, which, you know, even my Canon 70D, you can like do Wi-Fi uploading and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But what's really interesting about this is the integrated 500 gigabyte solid state drive, mm-hmm. which, and that was one of the things that as I was thinking about this, I was like, well, I don't really know that I would really care too much about having a smart camera. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, well, if I have an onboard solid state drive... I don't have to worry about SD cards. Right. I don't have to worry about dumping footage. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about, you know, I have this little case here that has probably half a dozen or two or a dozen SD cards, micro SD cards. And, you know, the biggest micro SD card you can get is what, 256, I think. Yeah. Something like that. And even that's like $150. So having that integrated 500 gigabyte SSD is pretty that's a pretty big deal, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, just even from like a storage and workflow perspective, not to mention, of course, the, the Lightroom editing on board and everything like that. One of the things that I think is interesting about this is like, are we going to see more cameras begin to get more of these smart features? It only makes sense to, you know, just for cameras to continue to, to like upgrade like that. We're mm-hmm. seeing cell phones becoming more and more advanced in that to mimic, you know, traditional cameras and camcorders. Makes sense that we see that kind of yeah. begin to make its way into the physical cameras as well. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Uh, I wonder how many people are going to actually start using this. You know, the the Canon R five has come out this year. The Sony A seven S three came out this year, and those are the two biggest that have come out. And those are not nearly as expensive oh, as sure. yeah. the ZX one. And I don't even think you can. Can you even change the lens on the ZX one? That would be disappointing if it's if, <laughs> if, if you're Zeiss, grand. the super company known for their lenses, and you're. Only stuck with a single lens. That would, that, yeah, that would be a little disappointing. So if that's what you're in the market for, that's that. <laughs> let us know if you get one. Let us know because I do want to see it. I do want to kind of try it. I will happily be your assistant for whatever shoot you go on with that. Or you know, better yet, Zeiss, if you're listening. Yes. And you want to send us one chest? Yes. Hit us up. We're a podcast, but we also have a YouTube channel, so we can easily show off can, all of the do it. amazing features you have. Yes. Uh, next, our la- next and last piece of tech news, because I'm sure everybody's like, Ugh. give me more. That's right. DJI released a new series of gimbals this week. If you're not familiar with handheld gimbals, basically a uh, three axis stabilizer, put your camera on it. Mm-hmm. Um, computers and weights counterbalance basically makes your footage very smooth and steady. They've been, we've had these kind of, I hesitate to say consumer, I guess prosumer level uh, yeah. gimbals around now for what, three or four years? Close to five years, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, we've had, you know, we have them from DJI, we have them from Jayoon, we have a whole, we have kind of this whole line of them. And uh, DJI has really been leading the charge on these kind of prosumer gimbals that are like, just industry breaking features for the most part. 
and uh, they released the RS2 and the RCS2, the RS2 kind of being the big one. The RCS2 is kind of like the, the baby version of it. And these things, like I got to say, like I've, I've watched a couple YouTubers and their videos, reviews of them, and they look really impressive compared to a lot of other gimbals that I've seen and used. A couple like even just workflow features that I think would be incredible. Um, the one that's really interesting is the locking axes. Okay. So basically you balance it once you lock them in place you don't have to balance it again no matter how much how often you take the camera on or off Dude, uh, you know it's it can handle a bigger payload so you can put a cinema camera on it mm -hmm. and a cinema lens on it uh so you can put um if you're familiar with the 1dx mark ii or the canon c300 up to 10 pounds of camera which that's that's a big camera. That's and that's not including, you know, monitors, uh, microphones, all these other features mm -hmm. you might want to include. Yeah, for sure. And that's actually the other big thing about this thing. And that's like the that's kind of the big like kind of surprise reveal with this is a feature called Raven Eye. And that is integrated uh, video streaming from the camera to your smartphone. Per. So it's like they've kind of wrapped up all of these like really crazy difficult to use workflow features of a gimbal that the gimbal results are usually pretty awesome but using a gimbal is usually pretty not awesome depending yeah. on what you're trying to do and they've kind of integrated all of these different features to make this really amazing gimbal and i think it's like eight hundred dollars which you know if you're buying one of those every couple years it's not you know if you're a professional video person it's really not that crazy of an investment for what it is you yes. know especially if you don't have to buy like a ronin or something like that that can easily run you four thousand five thousand dollars um so yeah, so I think there's just a lot of really interesting things with this. They have a new um, handle layout as well, so you can more easily switch from kind of an upright to kind of a, a low mode, mm -hmm. so you can get it lower to the ground. Um, lots of really interesting stuff here, and then of course, and that's the that's all the RS2, um, the RCS2 is just a, a smaller version of that. It has a smaller payload, cheaper price, but I think it still has basically those same features on it. So also looking at the um, demo video, you have like touchscreen um, controls. Mm -hmm. And that's something that even from like a UX perspective, mm -hmm. like using gimbals and trying to figure out how the controls work. Oh yeah. It's, it can be the hardest thing. You follow focus, <laughs> record, control the camera settings, the internal settings via the panning, tilting. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. So yeah, so this is a pretty, this is a pretty serious, uh, pretty serious upgrade to the run, the gimbal DJI's gimbal line. Um, but something that I would very much like to get my hands on again. Um, yeah, we are, we are, we would make great guinea pigs for any company <laughs> that is yeah, proud listening. of their products. <laughs> yes. We don't have that big of an audience, but we will sell it like we do. Yeah. And I think one of the things with this too, is like when you use a gimbal, like I have used gimbals for various different types of things from, you know, shooting concert settings to kind of interview type settings and, you know, other things like that. And one of the hardest things about a gimbal is definitely the setup and mm -hmm. getting it right the first time. Yeah. And like, if you don't have somewhere like level to set it down to balance it, if you don't have, God forbid, you don't have the right cable with you, you know, or if you need to adjust the zoom on the lens, cause that'll yep. mess the whole balance. Yep. It's yeah. just, it's a nightmare. And so what they've done here is I think they've just, they've created a series of products that are going to like basically 
make it so that the the technology and the tool gets out of the way of the creativity. Yeah. And that's really what I think, you know, anybody, you know, listening, if you're looking into like gear of any kind, like that's what you should be thinking about is what kind of tool at my range is going to help is going to get out of the way for me to create the thing that I want to create. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is definitely going to do that. In episode one, we talked about Tobey Nwigwe. We're back. When he's back, uh, he keeps putting out stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He keeps getting featured everywhere. Yes. Yeah, so this is also, I guess, in a way connected to Apple. The NBA and Apple Music um, collaborated on a uh, an exclusive playlist called Baseline, basically featuring a lot of like indie um, musicians to you know get you hyped and excited and you know, think about basketball while you are in the gym or doing whatever your life does during game one of the NBA finals they announced this announcement of their playlist um, with a commercial 30 second spot featuring my boy my guy Toby Nwigwe um, featuring um, a song from his last project um, Make It Home and then we'll probably play it around here hey look I pray you catch your way that doesn't subside this for the nappy heads in heaven with a nappy head Christ by their side yeah may your streets be paved with gold yeah oh my home would make it home one excited to just see you know again this um, this come up all of his you know, familiar collaborators are there, there his wife, um, their dancers were in it, their same costumes, choreography. Um, the video itself was shot with um, a frequent collaborator. So it's really cool to see um, this indie artist, this um, really good guy, um, continue to, or like it's a, it's a team win. Mm-hmm. How long has he been recording now? So he was, do- he was doing music with um, Eric Thomas, the hip hop um, preacher, motivational speaker. Um, they started a label together. F- forgot how many years ago. A couple uh, years at least. Then. Yeah, yeah. But um, he he started doing solo stuff um, like twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah. So that's like two years. You know, two years really from like kind of mm-hmm. branching out by himself and then making it to arguably one, one of, of the, the most influential commercials you can possibly be in right now. Mm-hmm. So do you think this means, like, he's going to be more mainstream after this? I don't know if he'll, like, switch up his sound um, the way he... But mm-hmm. it'll be exciting to see um, the things he talks about and the things um, he uses, to pr- his music to promote, reach a um, wider audience. And so, the, even, so his exposure will be yeah, more mainstream. Ex- yeah. yeah. Just, well, just listening to old Toby songs and just scouring through his YouTube for... Just, just to see his older work, I came across this, um, so I was watching one of these videos and I noticed that the lyrics were very similar to basically the song that became Journey mm. um, from his last project. Which is the song that's featured in the ad. No. Oh, okay. So, the, it, so um, the journey of this song, pun intended, I guess, is that... <laughs> um, um, the song in the ad is called Make It Home. That song came from an earlier song called Journey, where he kind of reflects more in detail um, the, about the life he had growing up, some of the um, losses he's faced in like the environment of his younger days kind of like led to hardship. 
remember a cold night staring out windows watching my breath fall before i was on point with knuckles like that hedgehog sonic used to puff chronic and sip the tonic in the state of the blue bonnet would it do your worst than bubonic play and so it um that song ended with i guess kind of like a prayer like a better term mm -hmm. just wanting or his hopes for um people like in that environment that they would um you know make it home in a literal and metaphorical sense right but not then going backwards 2018 in this twisted sundays phase what's interesting and from the twisted sunday version of the song is that he's we're seeing like the beginning stages of the song, the ideas inside of it, and then how it grew and evolved over time to become its own single, where he was able to collaborate with his own producer, Nell, how they were able to create a, a song that was more cohesive because mm -hmm. um, the Twisted um, Sunday version, it was, you know, it was cool, but it didn't really complement what he was actually talking about. Mm. You know, with more time and more was able to kind of like take that message and take these um, lyrics and kind of create a sound that was more cohesive and more complete. Jump to the summer, um, things um, becomes very intense um, across the country and especially in areas that um, Toby is speaking to. Mm -hmm. that, um, that desire and that concern became um, more, uh, more intense and, and they kind of took that opportunity to take um a song they had already completed and then kind of like dive into a portion and expand upon it and create a whole new sound a, a whole new song that is literally just an extension of their um the epilogue of the song journey mm -hmm. and they created um a new song make it home and so um if you're listening to the pandemic project, you'll notice that from um, fresh air to journey and make it home, it 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 flows and fits as a singular song. Hmm. And so, jumping to today, talking about this Apple Music ad, it's just very interesting to see the journey mm -hmm. of the song uh, that ended with a message, and then how circumstances forced that message to kind of be re-examined and then kind of expanded upon mm -hmm. and then how um, that message has resonated to be on Apple Music, NBA Finals, mm -hmm. um, that level of recognition. Yeah. So you think even just like the cultural background that we're kind of facing right now even led Apple Music and the NBA to say, we want to pull this song specifically for this playlist for this use. I would think so, um, especially because of um, how vocal and visible um, the NBA has been, specifically yeah. with this whole NBA bubble mm -hmm. situation. They, they have Black Lives Matter written on the court. They have um, special mm -hmm. t special um, phrases um, mm -hmm. related to social justice on the yeah. backs of their jerseys. Um, there was the um, yeah the strike that players took mm -hmm. in the middle of the playoffs, and so social justice has been on the forefront for the entirety of this um, NBA experience. So, yeah, just to answer the question, like, yeah, that partnership, the song reflects that um, pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and it's interesting even like watching the ad. Like it's a very it's a monochrome basketball court. Almost uh-huh. it almost looks like a basketball court that you might picture in like heaven almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know, all kind of fading off into white, you know, they're all wearing white. Looks like they might have like a light greenish mm-hmm. undertone on some of their clothes. So it definitely has that vibe and that feeling as well, just even from the visual perspective. Yeah, that is um, actually pretty a cool observation because, like, the whole aesthetic of this entire pandemic, that pandemic project was like the monochrome mint green, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. here um, in this Apple TV version, excuse me, is um, we're seeing it like more the hints of it there, but it's became more um, bright into like it. It does look like they are in a basketball court in heaven, which. I think is also another maybe intentional connection considering like, you know, Kobe p- passed earlier this year and the yeah. Lakers are in the finals. So yeah. that whole um, heaviness um, is, it's all there. It's very present for sure. And to think that all came from, a fr- I don't, I, it's just a really amazing to think that all this came from. Came from one line, yeah. right? Yeah. Or a, a couple of a, a phrase or a couple, a couple of yeah, a couple of lines added to a already established song. It's just well, I think it speaks to like being able to revisit mm-hmm. past pieces of work. You know, yeah. not necessarily thing, saying like it would be super easy for him to like say, "Well, I already finished that song, mm-hmm. so I'm just I'm done with it." Yeah, and I'm gonna write something new. Yeah, instead of going back and saying, you know, I really like this piece. Let me take this and kind of morph it and expand expand it and extend it into something new yeah and um especially in a way that is so culturally relevant mm-hmm. you know to black lives matter to even you might even consider like even the the pandemic yeah. at, at a whole you know like just these all these things that we're going through societally mm-hmm. um and to be able to place that into something that is so uh so influential in all of in many people's lives being yeah. in the NBA and the NBA playoffs, yeah. you know, professional sports in general, you yeah. know, uh, just shows just how, how interconnected everything is. You know, we don't see anything in a bubble. Yeah. Ironically, the NBA bubble, but yeah, uh, yeah. which, which, but also, you know but I mean? also, but is, also yeah, like the NBA, yeah. like the NBA is also like that whole experience has, is like the focal point for like, like the bubble exists because of the pandemic and mm-hmm. the, um, a lot of the um, players have, are vocal about player, players, coaches, commentators are all vocal and um, about um, just the social unrest and all mm-hmm. of the things that are tied to it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. A lot, a lot there, a lot building. But something else that has speak, speaking of things that are building. Um, uh, <laughs> You're the Tadum. The Tadum. The Netflix Tadum has a new sound. Well, not a new sound, an extended sound. Yes. And it is, it's magical. I didn't expect it. It's just, let's just bless your ears for a, a few, a little sec moment. It's better than it should be. 
it's it's better than it deserves to be as like a sound for a logo dude you know what i mean like it's and of course it was created by the masterful hans zimmer you know kiss yes and it's it's so if you're not familiar, it's it's they redid it basically for cinematic settings. So like the normal to dumb that you hear when you start up Netflix is like what three Nine seconds or, or a second or something. Yeah. It's 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 hardly long enough. And you know you go to the theater and you get these big long intros like mm-hmm. you know what's what's the one um, the the IMAX intro is really yeah. long and kind of loud and mm-hmm. grand and it feels like an experience. Even and yeah, s- was, yeah. I just remember like Disney's. Lo- Intros like like thirty seconds, mm-hmm. crazy long. Yep. Marvel's logo used to be like a few seconds of just comic book flipping, mm-hmm. but then they extended as, it a lot as yeah. their yeah as their as you know the property expanded. Mm-hmm. Um, so did their logo, and so yeah, looks like Netflix is um, growing up. Yeah, they're like saying like we need something more. I mean, I think it's like a bigger presence for a, a cinematic experience mm-hmm. and a theatrical experience, you know. And uh, I think they've like really nailed it. And I, I'm like, to me, it's like out of all of those logo intros that you hear in theaters, you know, like the IMAX one, I think Dolby has their own, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, I think even Dolby Atmos has one that's different than just the mm-hmm. regular Dolby one. You know, all the theaters have their own. Like Netflix's one is like, wow, this is like not just really great sounding and like a really great application but it like feels really good mm-hmm. you know you feel like oh this is something exciting that i'm mm-hmm. about to see and experience which and maybe it's just because the other ones are so i'm so used to them right and this one's so new but this one feels very different in that approach and maybe it's just because hans zimmer did it i don't know like <laughs> the, the dude's a genius so and i also like really enjoy how at the end of it like they have that distinctive to dumb mm-hmm. you know he managed to keep that in there and keep like this very um i don't know just distinctive sound in something that mm-hmm. feels so much bigger than just putting on netflix at the end of the day yeah you know which is what we're used to yeah i think that is um really cool like like yeah how you're saying it's like a literal crescendo into like the iconic netflix thing so mm-hmm. um even like the way that the um visually it's like this sea of colors and then that ultimately Mm -hmm. makes up the iconic Netflix end. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just like... It's a lot of wonderful combinations mm -hmm. of visuals and sound, for sure. Yeah, just a lot of build-up and excitement and beauty to then... But, like, Netflix is, like, the punctuation of it all. It's just a really cool logo and just way to, like, establish your identity. Yeah, and I think it does, like, I think you were saying earlier, is, like, it, like, adds this legitimacy. Oh, yeah to Netflix. It's yeah. not just a streaming service. It's not just the place you get DVDs anymore. They're not just a website. Mm-hmm. You know. No longer mailing DVDs anymore. Right. They are like act- making Oscar contending content. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, once we can all go back to movie theaters, we can, uh, we can experience it. If you have really good speakers, I would recommend going and looking it up and mm-hmm. putting on your speakers. Effort last. Yes. <laughs> Your ears will thank you. Uh, another identity and branding news. So we've got a couple different branding projects. So this is the tech and branding podcast. So Toby and Wigwith are in the middle, yes. I guess. Yeah. Um, 
if you are a user of G Suite, uh, G Suite being um, the consumer level and the business and enterprise level of Google's products. So you can get those in you know, Gmail, Calendar, Drive, Docs, Hangouts, Meet, or Hangouts or Meet, I can't remember which one it's called. Part of the problem, yeah. I think, is that yeah. I can't even remember which one they refer to it as. But they've rebranded G Suite um, into Google Workplace. And so you'll no longer be able to sign up for G Suite. You'll have to sign up for Google Workplace from now on. And they have, at the same time that they've done that, you know, they, they took it and they said they put the kind of Google look to Google uh, Workplace. And mm -hmm. it's, it looks pretty standard. It looks like everything else that they branded as themselves. But they redesigned the logos for each of the products mm -hmm. inside of Gmail, uh, Calendar, Drive, Docs, and Meet or Hangouts. And they took these five very distinctive icons mm -hmm. like yeah. extremely well-known and extremely recognizable icons and i mean they've been around for probably since the product i mean these are probably the first iteration icons of those products i don't think they've really changed yeah. even if the the styling kind of the update or colors have been updated the actual look of the icons is not really updated very much and they've kind of redesigned them to all be consistent and uh you know if you're not like designers have this thing where if we didn't make it we tend to think it's bad which is probably true in almost every profession but it seems to be especially rampant in design and mm -hmm. it seems to be especially rampant when people design lo redesign logos right. like just people like rag on it so hard on twitter and all these places and people like basically took the piss out of it like yeah. they went they went to town and on the one hand, I can definitely understand because there are some very, in my opinion, bad things about these mm -hmm. things. For one thing, I could. this is what I was reading about earlier, and I tend to agree with it. Gmail, so they're all kind of, let me just paint you a picture real quick. They've all been painted kind of with the same blue, red, yellow, and green that we've come to associate with Google, right? right yeah. And they kind of have all the same uh, widths on the strokes. They all look very similar, but yet somewhat distinctive between. They've, they've kept some of the similar shapes. Drive is still a triangle. Gmail is still an M. Docs is still a rectangle. Meet is still a camera. Yeah. But they've kind of introduced some things that make them all look very similar, which right. is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I think when you're designing a suite of icons for a set of products that live together, that's important. But they just look bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to, I can't really explain it any other way. They just don't look, Drive and Gmail, I could get behind and I mm -hmm. can, I can, I could begin to live with those, I believe. I could maybe even begin to live with Hangouts. But Docs and Calendar yeah. are just not great. They're basically both rectangles with colors on alternate sides. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> I don't see a count. It's like the, the calendar only, one's just a box with the number. With, and the only reason you would ever think it's a calendar is because you knew that there was a number in the other Google Calendar mm -hmm. icon, right? Yeah. It's like, this is one of those things where it's like, is it necessary? Right. Um, like, because like... I would looking at the looking at the old logos and low looks um, <laughs> they I had no I had no problem maybe it's because look they were all brand un, under the Google umbrella yeah I had no difficulties like they all they all meshed they all looked like they were part of a family of products that um, 
yeah, different branches, different they functions belong but, together. Yeah. yeah. Um, and here it's like they're forced. Like I, I don't know anything new. Right about it, yeah. And what so. they what they claim is that there's a new product experience behind Google Workplace. There's new UX and yeah. and like integration. So like the idea is that the the products are more closely integrated between each other. So you can uh, now there's like specific tagging inside of Google Docs, so you can eat more easily tag someone in tasks inside of Docs. Uh, you can uh, I think you can even trigger like an email from inside docs stuff like that okay. so there's there's some more integration between the products which I think is kind of this attempt to kind of compete with like a Microsoft 365 mm -hmm. at like that really high level enterprise yeah. you know where G Suite especially G Suite for business has been kind of the realm of like smaller businesses and like startups scrappy, yeah. you know yeah like that scrappy kind of um, kind of uh, what's the word bootstrapped kind of mentality mm -hmm. right and I think they're trying to legitimize it a little bit to go after kind of organizations like government organizations okay. um, you know kind of really really big enterprise organizations that traditionally are a 365 type company um, the thing that I'm not sure about and this is something that a lot of people have said is that the way they've gone about it in this kind of abstraction to the point of unrecognition mm -hmm. is that you didn't necessarily have to do that because you look at the Adobe products and they have managed to keep a unified look, but make them all look unique. Yeah. Even though they've had some, you know, hiccups and missteps along the way. And same with ironically, 365, like mm -hmm. Microsoft 365 suite of apps, they all look different, but they, you can tell they all look the same. Right. Um, so I think this was, and this is again, kind of the, the consensus on Twitter is that, it's basically like Google scale. Like they thought, you know, internally, like, oh, this is great because this is going to help us and from an internal perspective, make these things unified. Mm -hmm. And to everybody else on the outside, it's like, what? Yeah. Why'd you do that? <laughs> so those will be coming to your, um, your desktop and or phone shortly. I'm not entirely sure what the launch date or rollout date for these is. I haven't noticed it on my phone update yet. Yeah. Um, but I know Google Workplace has already been rebranded, so I imagine it's coming in the next couple months as they're getting ready to, to roll it out. So, um, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear if you, if you see these um, logos. Let us know what you think, because I'm stuck on the irony of, like, Google trying to become like what you're saying, just like more quote unquote legitimate and like attract these like more mature established businesses and contracts. And they went like more aggressively chill, typical children's colors and shapes. They did. So. Yeah. They went very, yeah. The other logos did have more of a sense of business purpose mm -hmm. about them for sure. Yeah. And that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that. You know, like they do look more respectable. Mm-hmm. And the other ones, I mean, these newer ones, I mean, they're they're literally just a series of lines in various shapes at different colors, and they kind of feel like, oh, that was just a kid with some markers. Yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, maybe it'll look better in motion not to get too ahead, or I guess moving forward to the Medium logo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Same deal, it's like, twi um, Design Twitter, this has been a time for Design Twitter opinions. I mean, there's never not a time for design Twitter opinions, for being totally honest here. So Medium is a publishing platform, self-publishing platform. They've been around since like 2000, 
2011-ish, 2010-ish, somewhere in there. So they've been around about 10 years now. Um, they've redesigned their logo now, like, I think five times. And um, with varying levels of success. Um, but they are basically a self-publishing platform kind of competing with, like, the bloggers mm -hmm. of the world, you know, kind of Squarespace, Wix. Basically, you don't have to worry about hosting a blog. And it's beautiful and well-designed. And it's a network of publishers and mm -hmm. all this kind of thing. Um, so they designed a new logo. Uh, they went from basically what was a black square with a white M in it, mm -hmm. uh, nice, nicely designed serifed M mm -hmm. um, with the word medium written out across next to it. Um, they've gone from that and now they have designed a logo in partnership with Collins, New York. That's a big branding and uh, digital firm in New York. Um, it's a series of basically ellipses or it's a ellipse, three yeah. dots um, that basically kind of consecutively get squishier. Um, and basically it's supposed to be three dots that are revolving in a circle, mm -hmm. um, as if the circle is facing you, the viewer. Um, again, you know, like Simon said, mixed response and some people hate it and some people are like, okay, this is cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Simon, what do you think? I mean, like the Google workplace, the first thing I asked is like, okay, why? Yeah. It, it, it doesn't seem like a, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like an upgrade. It's like, it's different. Yeah. However, with this um, with this redesign, uh, the concept of the ellipses is very interesting. Yeah, and it does it is pretty just satisfying to look at in motion, and mm -hmm. it and it'll probably make a cool um, loading screen um, animation. Yeah, for sure for the website um, for um, reaching those blog posts. But yeah, I just. Like the concept is very interesting. They've mm -hmm. gone with the three circles or the ellipse because it's like, you know, there are more things to be said. Mm -hmm. There are more ideas to share, more stories to tell. And that's a really, I think that's a really noble, you know, concept for a publishing platform. Mm -hmm. Especially um, with Medium trying to be like, I guess, they are just democratizing, you know, opinions and like right. making, um, you know, people, making platforms that much more accessible and th um, their old look um, kind of that that Seraphy M kind of looks like the icon of a you know news news publishing uh, yeah. website yeah there was definitely I think a uh, level of um, elitism maybe yeah. with it that this one is I think trying to get away from mm -hmm. you know they've introduced I think they've introduced more color as well which um you know, a lot more color, a lot more kind of um, kind of playful anim illustrations uh, where they're kind of connecting images together with words and typography, strings yeah. of text, which is interesting. Again, kind of telling a visual story through words. Mm -hmm. They've kind of taken the idea of a picture is worth a thousand words and flipped that on. It's mm -hmm. they kind of reverse yeah. that basically, which again is very very noble and, and interesting to me. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how. Um, I'm personally, I'm not sure how successful it will be just from a, uh, I guess, acceptance perspective mm -hmm. where you, you've had several different kind of large-ish tech companies like this kind of go into this more kind of avant-garde styling to their identity in mm -hmm. the last couple of years. Intercom did it, MailChimp did it, um, and now they're kind of going in that similar direction where it does feel, it feels somewhat more accessible, but it almost feels a little more, um, it's funny. Generic? Like, well, or... kind of generic, but like, I guess more like, um, almost uppity. Ah. Like we're, 
like we're medium, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and, and not that again, not that it's necessarily going to do that, but I get the vibe from, from looking at some of the, the applications images specifically, um, where, you know, they've kind of taken this typography that's a little bit, you know, uh, it's a little hard to read some of the, especially when it comes to the serif typeface that they created for the main identity is it's got some uh, different emphasis in some of the letter strokes that kind of give it this very kind of offsetting kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I'm worried or I feel a little bit like, oh, this is a little bit um, almost uppity. Um, So, you know, it's it's almost like they've gone from like establishment tech company to like an anti-establishment tech company, Mm -hmm. which maybe is part of the idea. Um, And I will get a little design nerdy here for a minute. Uh, The old M in the front, the old big M felt way more stable to me. Mm -hmm. It had a much bigger stroke on the down down, uh, stroke on the front of the M and a larger triangle serif at the bottom, which made it very feel like it was very planted. Mm -hmm. And they've basically gotten rid of that. And now it's this tiny little like chicken leg style stroke. And it almost feels like the M is going to fall over (laughs) to the left. And now that, and once I saw that this, this morning or yesterday and that you can't unsee it and you're like, man, the whole, now the whole word feels like it's going to fall over to the left. That's, yeah, that's not a good, (laughs) not a good message. Or a platform. Um, But yeah, so, I don't know. Again, something else. Let us know what you think about that. Because that's a... So far, it's been a little uh, divisive. Um, And the most divisive thing about it... I can't believe I forgot to mention this. um, There is a website called behome.design. B-E-E, home, as in a bee, bumblebee. Buzz, buzz. Uh, They actually make bumblebee homes, like beehives. Um, And they have a very, very similar logo. Just from the left. Yeah, you could say that. You could say that. No, but yeah, it's it's the same image, but flipped. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you you have to wonder, you know, they come up with it? Who came up with it first? Who? I think B-Home came up with their logo first, but, um, you know, didn't the medium, did Collins designers and medium designers see that and be like, oh, we're going to take that? Well... I mean, when you pointed out that, like, uh, Be Home, when you told me about Be Home, um, the question I had was, like, how, with a logo that simple, how do you avoid, like, being that yeah. duplicated? Yeah, that's that's the question. That's the, that's the ever-present question in identity and branding. And a lot of people will say now that the simple logos have kind of been done. Like you can't do super, super, super simple because there's almost no shapes and combinations of shapes that haven't been done before. Um, it's definitely got to be about, and I think, you know, medium has done a good job of separating themselves. Like Mm -hmm. it does feel like a distinctive logo an identity system. Mm -hmm. It's just that logo mark, the circles is nearly identical. Um, and because of that, I think that it's so close that I think they would have a hard time. Yeah, I don't know if it'll go to court or anything like that, and I'm certainly not an expert on like trademark law or anything, but it is so close that it's like, you know, how do you justify it? And yeah, so it's it is very hard, and it's almost impossible nowadays to design something very distinctive without being 
a copy of something else, and which is why I think the M logo worked for them. Yeah. You know, like you, like I had the medium app on my phone. That M was very distinctive on my phone, stood out from a lot of the other app icons. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I don't, yeah, I get used to it over time for sure. Like there's no doubt of that. Um, but I do think that they probably lost some uh, brand value in mm. that change, which I think is a big, which could, could come back to bite them, but time will tell. I wonder how many Medium articles are on Medium about the new logo. I mean, we might as well write one, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you could say we rated a Medium. But don't, sh- okay, we're going to move yeah. on now. <laughs> so last thing for today. Um, this is a pretty cool uh, video by a dude named Daniel Schiffer. Uh, he's a filmmaker. I believe he is in Toronto. I can't remember exactly, though. I think he's Canadian hmm. in Toronto. Um, we'll have to confirm that um, for you. But he, yes, he Canada. is. Location Canada. All right. Close enough. Uh, so he made a video uh, at the beginning of the month um, called How I Got This Impossible Shot for a Drink Commercial. And I will say that I was like, I'm always hesitant about YouTube video titles, right? Mm -hmm. Clickbait and all that. And, but I was intrigued because when someone says I'm going to do something impossible, I'm always like, okay, this is, this is interesting, especially from a creative perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. So I clicked on it. I was like, oh, this is actually without doing some complex 3d rendering, this was actually pretty much impossible. Um, so what he did, so he was shooting a commercial for Canada dry, I guess their new something yeah a couple new drinks that they released in canada um or somewhere and uh he was tasked to shoot the commercial and he wanted to do this effect where he had the uh, bottle cap flipping through the air and landing on the bottle and kind of sealing the bottle and uh you know that's there's all sorts of technical problems with doing that mm-hmm. he tried like using fishing wire to have the to pull the string off and reverse it and then mm-hmm. max the fishing wire out he realized he couldn't do that or that wasn't going to work. And so he went back to the drawing board and he came up with some, another idea. Um, that idea was to basically composite the, 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 the cat flipping, uh, or turning onto, uh, a shot of the bottle going down without the cap. And then the bottle with the cap as the final shot and mm-hmm. kind of merge it all together seamlessly. And that's kind of just the overview. He has a whole belt, I think about eight minute video on YouTube about it, about the process and about him doing it and kind of take, I think it took him a couple of days to figure it out. But I really like this because it kind of shows a couple of things. One, something that is impossible you know, yeah, it, it could be really hard, but it probably isn't quite as impossible as you might think it mm-hmm. is. And the second thing that I really like about this, or the thing that I really thought was interesting, is kind of the fidelity of work that he worked through. He didn't try to get exactly 100% of every detail he wanted every single time he went through it. Right. He did this version with the fishing wire. He realized it wasn't going to work, so he stopped. He didn't do anything else. He didn't try to make it. He didn't yeah. try to do any editing. He could see immediately what it was. And that, that's a lot about knowing your craft. Yeah. You know, like you have to know your craft in order to like have that level of knowledge. And then he went to another version where he did, he didn't, again, he didn't get it exactly right, but he was spinning the cap. He was compositing it together. It wasn't perfectly composite. He didn't want it to be. He just wanted to say, does this work? Yeah. I thought that was really great. And I thought it was a really great example of working through iterations of an idea, even if you think it's impossible. Yeah. And I think um, the cool thing that even like sparked this whole 
I guess, quest or mission to, like, create that perfect shot was that he just... He wasn't satisfied with just, like, filming bottles mm-hmm. and just, you know... But he he was, like, looking at something as simple and as ordinary as a bottle of ginger ale. And, like, how can I make this dynamic? And what are the elements of this bottle? And what can I do visually to, like, kind of just really sell it and make yeah. it exciting? And there's a pretty good chance that ginger ale... Canada Dry uh, would have been okay with doing something else. Mm-hmm. Something you know? really simple and safe. Um, yeah, I think he says in the video, like he, like they don't this affect this concept of the floating top wasn't a selling point at all, and this is something he wanted to do. Right, and so um, for his own creative edification, I guess. Yeah, yeah. pushing himself and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's just really cool to see, like, um, um, just taking. Um, uh, yeah, just seeing the the excitement and kind of even the playfulness mm-hmm. um, of I'm watching. I'm looking right now. It's like it's like toothpick sponge tape. Yeah, it's not like complex stuff. Mm-hmm. And and you know, my first thought when when I saw the video the first time was, well, the only way that I could think to do this if I was doing it would be using one of those crazy robots. Oh, yeah. You know, one of those robot arms that they mm-hmm. use to shoot, like, uh, McDonald's commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, like, that was the only thing I could think. And then he was like, no, I'm just going to put on a toothpick and mask out the toothpick. He's like, oh, that's, okay. It's a lot more accessible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and even with that, I was like, my first thought was like, oh, this is going to be one of those Dude Perfect videos. And it's like, <laughs> good luck. But then <laughs> it's like... Good luck doing it the first time. Good luck again. Um, replicating for each it. three bottles. Yes. Yeah, for each of the three different products. Um, but he didn't have to because yeah. each of the bottles had the same bottle cap. Yep. So he was like, I can just do again. just do the bottle setting down. I don't have to do the bottle cap three different times. Mm-hmm. And I think it also speaks to the fact that so he spent the week, he, he worked on this the week before he was supposed to do the shot, mm-hmm. the shoot. So he had plenty of time to mess it up mm-hmm. because there's nothing worse than trying to get an idea on a timeline with a budget for a client and not being able to figure it out mm-hmm. in like a day or two you know like that's no like sure you maybe some people are equipped to do that but most of us are not able to do that he spent two days the week before figuring it out and by the time the client came the client shoot came on he had it figured out and he could focus on the details that would make it pop which is adding like he added a light spinning around the bottle cap to really make selling it, that effect to sell the flipping around effect. He added you know misting of water to the bottles to make them look like they're sweating and to kind of give it that extra I don't know shininess to it. The glisten. The glisten that's so great with like you know refreshing things. So it really gave him room to pay attention to the details that would sell it beyond just the initial effect. Which I think is really important too when you're trying new things is like, you know, yeah, you need to have that time set aside to try things mm-hmm. so that when it comes to applying it to a project, a real creative project that you're being paid for, that you're on a budget or a timeline for, you you can worry more about the details that will make that client happy more than it is about getting the effect right. I think another satisfying thing from watching this video and then going through his YouTube and seeing his other videos, it's just, I don't know, just something about seeing like high quality work made at home. Yeah, at home. Yeah. Like this is is an at home studio. He, he turned like a part of his kitchen dining room area into a mini studio. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, and you just sell. He sold it, crushed it, and it's. We could, yeah. do, we could do a whole episode on Daniel Schiffer. I, I will. That would be cool. Um, just like those, yeah, just scrappy. Well, not. I don't want to say scrappy, but just like. He's very creative and mm-hmm. unique. Mm-hmm. Very unique effects in his videos. Mm-hmm. And it's all most almost all of his stuff is handheld. Mm-hmm. No gimbals, no fancy cranes, none of that stuff. So he's not the DJI gimbal person. No. <laughs> He doesn't use that stuff, but which we is nuts. Could be, but we could be DJI if you're listening. Yes. So. One more plug. That's all we have for you this week. We appreciate you hanging around. If you like what we're doing, subscribe and review us on your podcast app and tell your friends. If you want to chime in or share something that you think we should talk about, email us at kineticcreators at gmail.com. That's K-I-N-E-T-I-K creators at gmail.com. Until next time, peace. <laughs>